Okay, say some things. Hello. Adventure. Love. Connection. Risk. Passion. Evolution. Play. Life. The Archetypal Tarot Podcast. Provocative mythology for the 21st century. Can you connect to your ancestors using the tarot? Answer, yes. Sindera and I are so happy to bring you this episode with our conversation with Nancy Hendrickson about her new book, Ancestral Tarot. Nancy has decades of experience in both genealogy and tarot. She's a columnist for the Cartomancer magazine, writing about tarot decks from a cultural perspective. Follow her on Instagram at Nancy Sage Shadow and learn more on her website, sageandshadow.com. And here is our enlivening conversation with Nancy. Hello. Hello. Oh my gosh, Nancy. We are so incredibly delighted to have you on the show. Your book, give us the exact title of your book. I don't want to mess it up. Uh, Ancestral Tarot. Simple. Simple. See, I could have messed that up. But (laughs) (laughs) I could have. Tarot Ancestors with Nancy Hendrickson. Um, Sorry, see, I did it already. But your book kind of landed um, at a really interesting time in my life. And I know Sandera's and the, we immediately wanted to have you on the show, but we really wanted to dive into the book first. So thank you for being patient. And I know I speak for Sandera as well. It's mind blowing. It's really, really brilliant. Wow. Thank you so much. Yeah. I can't say that enough. Um, Sandera, um, you'd mentioned that you also felt like it was hitting kind of the pulse of the moment. Do you, could you say something about that? Yeah. So, and first of all, I would just like to say, uh, welcome Nancy. And and this book did come along at a really beautiful time for me personally, which uh, we may touch on in this podcast. Uh, And, and the voice in your book, not only is it brilliant, but I really felt your voice in the book while I was listening to it. You've got, and listening to it, reading it, right? (laughs) And um, you just have this way of bringing yourself into your writing that I felt like I knew you even before this moment. So thank you. That, that means a lot to me. Uh, And, and, you know, as I've said to you guys before, I am a conversational kind of person. And Mm. that comes across in my writing. I write very conversationally. So thank you. I appreciate that. That's great. So, um, so yeah, the, there is this interest bubbling up from the collective at the moment. It seems like a lot of people are interested in ancestral work and in various forms, whether that's through ancestry.com or genealogy or, um, past lives, doing this work and really getting curious about, you know, things that our ancestors did, uh, ways it's still alive and impacting us at the moment. Um, so I was wondering if we could open up our conversation with, you know, why, why now, why is it, has it always been like this or is it particularly in this moment, maybe as we're, uh, beginning to navigate through and out of a pandemic, um, that we, are getting more curious about our ancestors. Do you have any sense of that pulse and, and how this book is meeting that need? I absolutely do. And what a great question. Uh, you know, I had an ancestor who died in the 1918 pandemic. Mm. So, and about three or four years ago, I actually wrote an article about it. 
because it interested me so much, little knowing that we headed into another pandemic in my lifetime. But yeah, he, let me tell you what I thought about it. And I hope this makes sense. I put myself into the place of being a 30 year old and looking at my own life at 30, I had no idea really where I was going. I had a job, but it never felt like I was on kind of a life path or spiritual path or anything. I was just, I was just floating down the river. I think when you're in kind of that age group, you want something that anchors you somewhere. And the ancestors really can anchor you, even if you had really kind of a hideous growing up, or if you had a great growing up, it doesn't really matter. And, you know, at my age, because I'm double your guys' age, you know, I've been through enough life that I know that I, I will survive it and I will get on, I'm on the right path. Mm. But I think when we're in our 30s, we just don't know that. And finding an ancestral connection anchors us so much in, in kind of validating our lives. Um, that's my take on it. And I'd love to hear what, you, what your take is on it. Oh, I think Julianne had some really great things to say about this when just in our conversation prepping preparing for this this podcast um do you want to speak about that julianne bounce to julianne um <laughs> that was that was incredibly beautiful i just want to say that nancy um Thank that you. and i i work with so one of my things my background is in archetypes but something that i've been doing since i moved to hawaii what six ish years ago um, is I'm a wedding officiant, so I'm a priestess, right? So that's a role that I've stepped into again and again over my lifetime. And with that, I am by and large, not always working with people in their 30s, you know, late 20s, early 30s, they're making a big transition into life, uh, a new life in, in marriage partnership. But so I get to know them. There, are, uh, There's an age group that is like a more solid in my life because I'm working with them so much and I'm doing something that is spiritual with them. So I'm privy to probably more conversations than had you just met them at the airport or something. And I think what you said is exactly true that I have forgotten because I'm well out of my thirties now, um, believe it or not, <laughs> um, that, that anchoring the like, you know, what am I doing? They trying to follow their own intuitions, understanding what that might be that um, it, it's really, really important for this group that will then, you know, they're going, there are leaders and they're going to be basically left with a world that is harder to deal with than when I was in my thirties um, and specific to Hawaii um, in getting the blessing of learning a lot more about the Hawaiian culture and immersing myself in it. It is very much an ancestor based belief system and culture and and that you know i was already there you know i was already um kind of in touch with the ancestors and honoring them when i got here and that is just uh you know more and more the more i learn i understand the importance of that connection and i can feel them coming to me a lot stronger so your book um has come at a really perfect time to get some um, specificity to clarify that connection. And uh, I, 
I was given a chant here in Hawaii that calls the ancestors and thanks them and asks them permission. Permission. It's it's a very very powerful short chant that you do, and I I feel them whenever I do that chant. Mm-hmm. Um, so the connections there and having some more specificity with your book is just like I was saying earlier. Wow, and the pandemic adds a whole nother layer with so many people dying and so many people transitioning that all of our sense of life is changing. If you didn't have to face death before, you have to face it now and our interconnectivity. So to me, the connectivity of the souls that have transitioned off and the souls that are coming in is just like dialed up to 11 at this point. So really useful work. Thank you, Nancy. Uh, you're welcome. And, you know, I really agree with you too. And, and, and if we look at indigenous cultures around the world, ancestral work is really part and parcel of daily life. Mm. And some cultures, you know, mm. they call upon the ancestors if, the, if they, they don't want to do anything to upset the ancestors or the ancestors won't be supportive of them. I mean, they are seriously part of everyday life. And, and, and second, I won't, just one other quick point, I think too, you know, over the decades, as we are a very mobile society, we moved uh, out when, let's say I was a kid, I had aunts, uncles, and cousins always. So I was part of a very large family group. And now I'm very far away from most of my my relatives. And you know, I think growing up in a very tight family unit, you you are really hooked into the ancestors. And it, it is just a different world. So anyway, I, I'm kind of going around the topic, but I, I hope you understand what I'm saying mm-hmm. is the world has changed so much, but we still want that sense of anchoring. And I think I've said this in the book, the more you understand the ancestors, the more you really understand who you are, because you you have that incredible strength because you wouldn't be on this planet if you didn't have incredibly strong ancestors uh, because they would have died out, you know, decades, hundreds of years ago. Well, I'm glad you you mentioned this because your book came along right at this time that I was uh, interviewing my mother about her childhood. And, you know, she had a very difficult childhood kind of going from place to place and foster homes and orphanages. And, and what really saved her was this time finally that she got to be live with her grandparents and her mother gave her this book of Cinderella. And she, she realized that, you know, if Cinderella could have this difficult time that, that maybe she could also could have a happy ending. And, um, and she, she, the fairy godmother in her life was her her grandmother, and for the first time in my life, I really heard this in depth description of my great grandmother. Right, that someone I had never, what you know, she wasn't alive for me to meet. And when I wrote this story and had my my best friend read it, she said, "You're not your mother. You're not your grandmother. You're your great grandmother." <laughs> And, um, and I recently bought a new house and my mom came to visit and she says, this is just like, this is just like my grandmother's house that I visited when I was a kid, you know, very old house. And, 
it just felt like this gift or connection to that lineage. And, and funny enough, your book comes along right at this time into my life. And your name is Nancy, my mom's uh, sister who took care of her while they were going from household to household. Her name was Nancy and just died um, six months ago from, from the coronavirus. Yeah. And just, you know, you, as you can see, the, the, without going into the full story, which we'll do in a side podcast, but um, the layers, when you start opening your ears and paying attention, the layers of meaning um, and messages that are coming down through uh, your your ancestors. This was a an ancestors of blood kind of thing, but um, it was just so meaningful and so beautiful. And, and you know, we do have those threads that come down, and, and we, as you said, we have to walk through life awake, and you know, listening, looking. And understanding and not just blowing something off as well, that's a coincidence, because I think I just I just did an article for people on my Patreon the other day asking about what strengths we inherit down through generations. Mm. And I was thinking about my dad, my dad, if you read the book, my dad died when I was a teenager. But I have this picture of him that when he got out of high school, he jumped on a motorcycle and took off for Wyoming. And it, I loved that sense of adventure. And I didn't put it together until very recently that when I was 15, I went to Alaska and washed dishes on a boat for the summer. And I thought, this is so much like my dad. Mm -hmm. I, didn't even, I didn't even know but we did the same thing and I kind of inherited inherited that from him. So yeah, we do kind of have these strings that come down through our life. Yeah, that's wonderful. And so Julianne had some questions, um, not just about the ancestors of blood, but she wanted to hear a little more about the ancestors of place and ancestors of time. Julianne, do you wanna um, pinpoint what, what you're curious about there? <clears throat> Yeah, I definitely want to set it up for our listeners to understand that this book is, uh, it covers our literal ancestors, right? The people, the DNA that we come from in our body. But miraculously, and I didn't know this when I picked up the book, you discuss ancestors of place and ancestors of time. And the, I, I love this book because you can dip into any section of it. I definitely recommend reading the first couple of chapters, but thank you, Nancy, for uh, allowing us to be able to sneak back and jump into different chapters um, as we do our readings. We're, because you're going to be guided to one thing or another, and the, the reading that really blew me away, um, and this is a two-part question, um, but the, before I talk about the reading I did, reversals, you're so funny in your book, you're like, I don't do reversals, except for when I do. And I'm yeah. like, ah. So the ancestors of blood, that is, it's way more straightforward than ancestors of place and of time. Could you just uh read and there are sections in the book for people but it it does kind of feel like whoa you are you're gonna walk out into the cosmos with these and um i've personally started that process it's amazing but um 
tell us a little bit about what you mean by ancestors of place and you have examples in the book and then ancestors of time. Okay. When you do DNA or whether you listen to family stories, we generally have a sense of the country we originated because none of us, I assume, are Native Americans. And so I wanted to talk about the ancestors that may go back millennia and where do they come from? We'll never know them because they're prehistory but we still have an attachment. They can, be a, they can be a blood ancestor, but they can be someone that our family knew 2000 years ago, or that we knew in a past life. And so, you know, you travel places. I think in the book, I, I referenced uh, Scotland. When I was in Scotland, I felt like I was home. So yeah. I know that either in a past life or within a blood ancestor, Scotland is really significant for me. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to work with a Scottish ancestor, whether they were blood or whether I knew them in another life or whether they knew my family. I didn't care. I, I, I'm not that picky. I, I'm not very rule bound, um, much to my mother's dismay. Um, <laughs> So that's ancestors of place. Ancestors of time really does get into past lives. And almost everyone I've ever talked to has a sense of a place that they know they have lived another life. And you can either do it by actually going to the place. You can do it by memories. I have a friend who, even as a really little girl, she could remember another lifetime in Germany in great detail. Mm. I've done it through meditation that I am in another life. And so we have those ancestors. And what gets, you know, you guys, what gets really tricky is these, all of these can be like the web that, you know, the past life person could be your mom today, who knows? Uh, or the place person could be, you know, your cousin in another life. So I think in the end, they really all merge. And I hope that doesn't make it sound very confusing. Um, I just ask people to go into them with an open mind and be willing to just accept what comes in for them. Agreed. And I'm kind of, I'm personally in the middle of, of I don't know if it's the middle, I'll just say that, in a process, um, because I'm just going to, I'm going to share with you, um, I did the early um, early on, you have like the journey spread, and then mm -hmm. you have a spread where you're going to get a sense of the three different types yeah. of ancestors, blood, place, yeah. and time. Mm -hmm. And I was completely primed to work with ancestors. I've been really like frustrated with not feeling like I had the ability to get clear messages or send them. So what I noticed early on when I did like the journey spread, which is I think five or six cards, seven cards, I got so many reversals. I was like, come on, like everything just felt like no, right? So, um, and the reversals made sense, right? They weren't just like, this is random. I should flip them back over. I read reversals. I figure every card has information. Um, and if it lands upside down, there's information there. So um, <clears throat> super frustrated with that and kind of feeling like a little, you know, my lip, my lower lip was like, come on, ancestors. <laughs> so I did the, <laughs> that's how I am. Um, <clears throat> so I did the 
spread where you're basically pulling two cards uh, for each of blood, of place, um, of time. And of blood, queen of wands reversed, uh, impact uh, for the ancestor of blood, ace of cups reversed. Um, and then I moved on to place, uh, ancestors of place, tower, um, impact at the time, eight of wands. So I was like, oh, that's a fun combo. And then I moved to ancestors of time and I got the star. And then uh, for the impact at this time, the knight of wands, that was pretty clear to me that I needed to work with an ancestor of time. What do you think? I, I think, <clears throat> let's say I think it's the easiest journey. Mm -hmm. uh, I would be very drawn to place because um, that eight of wands is, is very appealing to me personally. Uh, I like the speed with which all those wands are flying. So, but I think time is going to give you a lot of information with that Knight of Wands. He's going to be bringing the information about what to do next. He's the action. He's the action knight. And if you look at some decks, he and his horse's mane and tail are on fire. Mm -hmm. So um, that's going to give you and. and knowing that you got the star for ancestors of time yeah i'd really want to dig into that lifetime place would be a little scary yeah well it was actually the tower reversed um for ancestors of place but i'll tell you this the story goes on i won't i won't take up a, a ton of time with it i chose ancestors of time and intuitively was like okay i need to dream on this i don't work with my dreams that often or probably not as much as I should. Dreams to me require journaling and I hate journaling, <clears throat> but thank you, Nancy. I'm now journaling because it's a hundred percent required. Um, I feel like I will insult the ancestors if I'm not writing this down. And I, I literally mean that I, I feel them going, write this down. I know you don't want to, but write this down. So all the people listening who are not journalers, you're going to have to do it with, whatever way works easy for you, it, it has to be done. So I then moved to a little bit of dreaming and I used some of your um, techniques to try to get more detail on the ancestor mm -hmm. <clears throat> of time. Where I am right now is it is both an ancestor of time and place. That makes and, sense. Yeah. yeah. And um, I feel like I could almost write an entire book about what, connections have happened um yeah. so yeah this book is uh, anybody who's interested in you might to me i want to tell people if you're going to get this book you might be really interested in you know just doing your own personal ancestry of which i'm still very interested but this has taken me down a really really fascinating path that i never i honestly my soul saw it coming but my my psyche or my my ego brain was like nah no way. So I'm just putting enough detail out there for our listeners to understand um, the the tools and the gifts that Nancy has brought us with this. And thank you. And I will tell you, I also hate journaling. And I have come to love it again. I, I journaled many, many years ago. And I really got to the point where when, you know, when you do writing, uh, when you actually are a writer, doing anything off the clock, you don't want to do the same thing. 
And so I got really tired of it, but um, I don't know how many years ago I went back into journaling and a lot of it was doing ancestral work. And because, you know, I, I can't remember what I drew a month ago and I need to go back to my notes. And what I've noticed, Sandera, is that, yeah. um, I'm sorry, Julianne, um, is that I can go back in my journal and see what was going on on a day when I had terrible sleep or I had high stress. Mm. And it was really interesting to equate those two. And without those journal notes, I couldn't do that. And I couldn't go back and look at those ancestral cards on that day because if I didn't note it, I sure couldn't remember it. Absolutely. And I, that this, this work, I think for a lot of people, when you're working with tarot, unless you're reading for another person, if you're using tarot, any kind of cards for yourself, it's, um, it's not a closed system, but like you're responsible for yourself mm -hmm. as you're doing it and whether you do notes or things like that. But because you're working with ancestors, you have to respect, um, that relationship and that journaling is like I was kind of saying before you're respecting them by writing it down so you kind of can't shirk that responsibility when you go into the work so it's it's for me to make sure I write it down but I really felt that as I was getting uh information as I'm about to fall asleep that's when I met my laziest um <laughs> <laughs> or, you know what I'm saying? Like the, that I, I've, it's that extra inducement for me to be like, this isn't just all about me. I have to respect this relationship yeah. with the ancestor that I have to write it down. This isn't like, oh, we'll, we'll do it later. You know, I'll start my diet tomorrow. No, 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 no. This is very much like the feeling, the strong feeling I'm getting is like, mm -mm. like respect that relationship, do this for them. They're not here in the physical presence our bodies are here so we have to you know respect our physical presence enough and them enough to write it down or do um the practice or think you know enact or respect what they're asking or what they're telling you so yeah. i know this got way more serious than i expected to but, um... <laughs> but you know and, and another reason that's really true is I, I i go back through those exercises especially if i'm working with a new ancestor and I want to go back and see how does this differ in my cards from person one to person four. And without journaling it again, you can't remember unless, unless you have a great memory. Exactly. Or you will only remember the details you like. <laughs> yeah. <that works>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, you know, that's what I do. Uh, on a similar note to what you two are talking about, um, I feel like journaling really connects the dots that and the messages because you, you, you're kind of getting all these little things as you go through life. And when you t make that space, it's like the connections flow. And um, it's just so amazing, Nancy. When I started reading your book, it was like a a flip switched and suddenly you know i felt like i was receiving all of these signs uh and <laughs> journaling helped make this connection or, and i just started to look out more um my mother was you know part of the interview we had while i was driving actually and she was telling me about my great grandfather uh who was the stepfather and um and as she was speaking this the straw hat blows across the road <laughs> across a freeway you know <laughs> like so random right and then 
I, I start drilling about the straw hats, kind of looking into, and then I, I'm asking more questions, and um, and she re reveals that he's from Spain. He had originally been from Spain and um, had tended sheep in the snow, and uh, and then a story I had written two years before suddenly came to me, where I had kind of weirdly written about a shepherd tending sheep in the snow which i didn't even really think was a thing like i don't know anything about tending sheep or <laughs> particularly in the snow or anything and there was this story uh wrapped up with him and i thought wow like how long has the ancestors or this particular ancestor been trying to kind of reach out to me with a sign <laughs> um and to finally connect those dots was done through this reflection and through the journaling and and by being inspired by your your book so uh the eyes are open and the ears are listening and and the cards invite us to ask more questions right like okay so what might my great grandfather be trying to tell me i guess would be the next question is that right and yes absolutely um, yeah I, I i am not a favor of close-ended tarot questions you right. know one card leads to another question and like going back to julianne and the star for time, if that were me, I would draw cards saying, tell me more about that star. What was everyday life like? Right. Did I have, did I have family to, you know, I mean, I would start digging and not just stop at the two cards. I would get way more information. And I think that's something people kind of forget to do is once they do get that initial thing like the tower and the eight of wands well what was the tower was it really bad how bad was it so yes also um Sindera, thank you for telling that story because it, it is absolute proof that we get these messages all the time we just don't realize it and it, it may be two years later it may be five minutes from now but the ancestors are streaming, if you can imagine this little river that goes through time, they're streaming down into us all the time. Mm -hmm. Wow. And this work, any any conscious work, I think, um, the tarot to me has just made it, it's given it um, more focus, more detail, more, I almost feel like it's Velcro for that you know it's like the other side the ancestors are one side of the velcro this work and me using something specific like the tarot is it's like connecting it together it's almost magnetizing it it's it's like it's out there all the time but this is giving it um the structure that my little human brain needs to kind of work with it and i did after i got did that reading and it was like okay it looks like time is what i'm going to work with right now i did exactly that um with drawing more cards asking questions drawing cards doing some of the yes no uh card draws that mm -hmm. you had mentioned in the book mm -hmm. and frankly i had forgotten because quite honestly it was Sidera and i were both kind of come from psychology side this podcast started with us using jungian psychology and jungian archetypes to look at the tarot as a, a heroine's journey versus a hero's journey mm -hmm. um and we so we're not you know professional tarot readers per se i mean sendera is more than me but so like that the use of the cards it brought it to a whole new level and i'm actually mixing decks um, at this point, not just using Rider weight based ones, but I have others, which I realize 
is really tricky. Um, but I've had to just ask the cards with a pendulum, which one is going to be the deck that I need to use because pendulum is very, uh, it's something I can trust um, and is, it works very quickly for me. So I think anybody who's going to be doing this work is going to pull in the tools, including the, you know, classic Rider Waite tarot or other decks that are calling to them. Like it's, it's almost like you have to build a kit or you're going to pull in things um, that are needed. And you go over a lot of that in the book, which I think is brilliant. Well, thank you. And, and I do have, you know, I, I, I have a pendulum that is so good at ancestral work. And I did, I can't remember if I wrote about this. I apologize because the actual manuscript was written two years ago. Yeah, you do. You do. Pendulum. Yeah, okay. So I, I have this little thing that I'll split my tarot deck into four piles and I'll say, okay, pendulum, tell me which pile the queen of cups is in. And, and it's really good at finding them. So um, I love using that particular pendulum to choose things with cards for ancestral work. So you should try that. It's, it's a very fun, it's, I, I call it an exercise because it is an exercise. It's something we do over and over and we get better at it. Mm. Yes, I yeah. haven't used a pendulum in years and uh, I started using it and it's very helpful because it gets me out of my own head. Um, if I'm getting too excited about something, you know, my brain moves forward. <laughs> yeah. So, or I get like, what if I pick wrong? You know, the, the neurotic stuff that happens to, mm. to some people like myself. Um, that the pendulum is a nice neutral thing. I mean, it's not neutral, but you know what I mean? It's like, I don't, my ego has to sit down with the use of the pendulum. So this is a question I would pose to both of you. Having done the ancestral work, whether you've worked through the whole book or not, how can you see working with the ancestors, strengthening your life as you move forward? Or maybe it doesn't. I'm very curious. Well, for me, it, it, it can only strengthen my life moving forward. I almost feel like, uh, yeah, um, there are a handful of, I have for quite some time, I'm, I'm kind of, as most of us are recovering from a really difficult year uh, last year, not only with COVID, but just along things. My mother passed away. It was very, very difficult. So for me, um, this work, because of, of the most, you know, both my parents are dead now. So there's a lot of sort of import in the ancestor work. I am, I am stepping through a threshold in my life now with that, but also coming back home to Maui, reestablishing my life in a new way. And the ancestor that I'm working with right now is very much related to that, uh, life transition to stepping into something new. So it's kind of like it can only have an impact. And I feel so guided with that. But also I know tied up in this moving into the next phase of my life, doing continuing my life's work, refining that is also directly related to a past life that was that also needs healing and also needs completion. Um, so it's like a double it's a double opportunity for me to take. And I just pray that, that I can keep this channel open um, to, to really make use 
of that and honor that connection. Um, and I'm still at an early enough stage within it that that's really the only answer I have is it kind of has to, like, this is completely meant to be like, well, this is you. the time, you know, this is the time. These are the tools. These are the ancestors that I can feel them going, oh, all right, finally, okay, we got through. <laughs> but they got through in a way that, like, you know, the energy is now going both directions, right? Yes, I do know. I do know. Mm. And I would add that I think uh, ancestor work is, is not only anchoring, kind of to return to our uh, discussion about the 30s, which I'm in, <laughs> that we had in the beginning of the conversation, but absolutely essential for the continuance of human life and the, the life on this planet. Because when we connect not only with our own ancestors, but with those ancestors that are uh, the other than human qualities of the, of the earth, and, and also tapping into ancestors that were able to listen to, connect, heal with those parts of the planet. Um, I think it's, it's actually uh, absolutely essential at this point that we do this work. Um, so I'm, I'm actually really interested because I work with stones. So if you can see life and, and a connection and, you know, the, the, the way even... Um, iron oxidizes in rock turning red like our own blood if we can see the ancestors all around us and listen to what they're saying uh this is going to shape the relationship to the world as we move forward yeah, so exactly I, and uh stones have fabulous stories mm -hmm. um and it was something i i really learned i and i just want to share with you is we have all done this many times before. We have always been a stone talker or a bird talker or mm -hmm. a whatever. We've all done this so many times. We bring those skills back in with us. Mm -hmm. uh, I am absolutely convinced of that. Um, I did, I know we kind of got over the time, but do I have time for one quick thing? Oh, you have all the time in the oh, world. I was worried. I was worried about your time. I'm like, I'm enjoying this so much. So. Okay. Well, okay. because Cinderella, you talk about uh, communicating with stones. I, for I live in a, you know, I live in San Diego. I live in a multi-million person city, but I, I live in a neighborhood that there's lots of dogs and cats and birds, and and I love listening to the birds, mm. and. I did a past life meditation just a week ago, and it took me into a past life in the Netherlands. Mm. And my magical skill was talking to birds in that life. And I thought, oh, no wonder I love listening to the birds. So, and we bring those kinds of things forward from, I think, our other lifetimes. I just want to put that out there as something mm. for, for people to think about as um, if you think you can talk to stones just a little, you know, practice, because my suspicion is you can talk to stones a lot. Mm. Right, right. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. Very meaningful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank I you. Think yeah. What you're really reminding us all of in your work, I believe, does following you on Instagram, reading this book, getting more familiar with you and your work. Um, like, like I was saying before, the tools, and I do, I think of 
the, the younger folks, um, people <laughs> Sarah's age, um, that the getting out of your own ego, getting out of your own panic that we might be feeling about how the world has changed and the things that really annoy us and getting anchored in something stronger, you know, and I, and to me, I do, I understand and I believe past lives. I think it, it can't be any other way. Um, knowing what I know, but to be able to anchor yourself in something deeper than what you're worried about um, and knowing I've had this worry before, maybe it's a little bit different, but our worries are generally, you know, of a kind, right? You know, worried about money, worried about safety, worried about health, all of those things. And to understand that you, you have problem solvers within you um, and you have a connection to people who have solved the same problem, or maybe it's your gig to work with this issue. And so that issue becomes more than what it is, but you feel empowered by the fact that like, it's not just this thing, you know, it's not just this, uh, it's like, oh, it's, it's important. Like I was saying about journaling, like we're able to like taking on that responsibility and recognizing it absolutely gives you more energy. It gives mm-hmm. you more oof to kind of move through it um, and not feel alone. So I, I agree. And, and you know, my favorite type of tarot reading is to start with the issue, whatever it may be, you're worried about health, money, whatever, and ask for an ancestor to come in who was very successful at solving that same problem. I love that. Wow. I mean, it is so powerful, that type of reading. Because, And I'll just tell you this really briefly. If you shuffle, ask for that, have a very strong intent and just draw off the top of your card till you hit a court card. That's the person. And that's when you start working with the cards. Tell me about your life. How did you solve this problem? How can you help me? You know, how did, I mean, it's so powerful. I can't even tell you how powerful it is. Mm. Um, So give that one a try. Um, And let me know how it goes for you because I have found it to be invaluable. That's really, really great. Yeah. And you, you're bringing ways of working with the, the tarot that I had sort of forgotten about. I think I learned uh, a little bit more in my youth, like young, you know, teenage years when like tarot was like, Ooh, you know, like it's, it's, I got to keep quiet. Don't let anyone know that I've got, you know, a tarot deck kind of like, you know, in the, in the closet as it were, but yeah. you're the freedom with which you use, you know, you're treating the cards as, um, an oracle that you have a relationship with. And I, I will tell you, um, because my, my whiny little complaint at the beginning was like, I had so many reversals that just, because they were just the number of them, um, just felt like a whole lot of no. And I was, you know, um, but after I started, you know, working with the t- this particular time ancestor and just basically said, this is what I'm going to do for now. I'm not going to do any other I'm not going to put my energy into anything else. This feels really important that even the little, you know, flipping three cards to see if it's a yes or no, everything was right side up after that. Everything. Uh, Yeah. There are no mistakes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It was, it was, it was super cool. Um, And so. Um, Do do we have time for one more question? Sure. Um, So, uh, so you, you mentioned in your book about kind of the, I think it was the minor arcanas can be really helpful because they, they show you the daily life of 
your yeah. ancestors, which I love that because it's um, it's not so much like f finding out this one event that happened or this one thing, but that over time, like kind of like water shaping stone over time, they, they learn and, and, and develop their wisdom, which can be communicated through these kind of more daily uh, minor arcana images. Um, and then you, as a example of that, you list kind of the, or mention fairy tales or the inner child tarot deck uh, as an option for that. Um, now, our, our previous kind of fun uh, podcast that we did before this one was about fairy tales. And um, you've probably heard of uh, Marie-Louise von Franz and the, mm -hmm. the re-release of her book on um, her fairy tales. And, um, and then I'll also be sharing on another podcast, the, the story of my mom and the Cinderella story. But I'm just curious about how do you see fairy tales as being helpful in ancestral work, tarot readings? I'm just curious about the relationship of those two things right now, um, I, which I think are also kind of hitting the pulse. Um, so I'm curious what, what you have to say about that. You know, I, I think fairy tales, I don't look at them as, as tall tales. I look at them as a fictionalized version of real life. Mm -hmm. And there's always a grain of core truth in fairy tales. And I mean, take Cinderella. And, and you know, it's been a long time since I've read Cinderella. But there's a lot in there about self-worth. Yeah. And there's a lot about finding your way. There's a lot about searching for something that you really love. I mean, there are so many... Mm -hmm. uh, kind of archetypal stories within fairy tales and that's why if I am reading specifically about a super hard thing somebody's heartbreak I will use the inner child deck mm -hmm. because I feel that those fairy tales in that take us back to the place where we really initially felt that pain which is usually as a child so fairy tales in my world fit very, very well uh, in the tarot world. Yeah, and as you're speaking about it, I'm realizing, you know, fairy tales before they were written down uh, were these oral tales told and passed down from generation to generation. And they're right. kind of shaped by the realizations and needs of each time. So they were never really meant to be frozen, but um, always kind of re-emerging. But the kind of the essence or archetype or pattern is always there at its core but um but as it's passed down and told and shared um its wisdom is kind of uh shaped over time and I, I really find that as a storyteller myself and and also using card readings for me card readings are all about the story which i know is part of your book as well so um that's that's fantastic yeah and i do recommend those cards uh even if you don't uh, I used to kid my mom and say, oh, mom, you never read me fairy tales. And it was the only, my mother was, I was, I've never been as close to anyone as I was to my mom. So losing her was heart, beyond heartbreaking. But I always kidded her that she never read me fairy tales, which of course she did. But um, I don't know why she crossed my mind, but thank you, mom. I think mom's really close to me right now. Oh, um, here she is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What I have found, not only with fairy tales, but with family lore, there's always, always, always a grain of truth there. 
And it may be hidden or embellished in some way, but it really is the grain of truth. And if you look at like the inner child cards, you know, we look at our fears and there's a card that depicts children with, uh, with lighted torches, you know, wands, going out of a very dark cave. And it speaks so much to who we are at the core. It's like, we are, when we're scared, we are in that dark cave. And we want to be like the kid who has the wand taking us out of the cave. Um, I, I could go on about that, that stuff forever, so I'll stop. But um, yeah, I'm, I'd be really interested in hearing more of, of what you do with that kind of work. Just that image alone of children and the torches in a dark cave. Boy, I feel like that's an image for our times right now. Oh. <laughs> We've been in a dark cave and we're picking up yeah, our torches and figuring out how to step into this post-pandemic life in a way that's more conscious and connected uh, to each other um, and to the world. So what a beautiful image to kind of um, wrap up our podcast. And it just this was an extraordinary uh, time with you, Nancy. Really happy you could join us. Oh, thanks, Indira. Thanks. Oh my gosh, that. total delight, delight, uh, delight. Um, for me as well. Thank you. You know, I love talking about fairy tales. I love talking about the inner child stuff. And you know, any any new ways I can find to bring tarot into problem solving, uh, I'm all for that. Thanks for listening. We know you could have done something else with the last 50-ish minutes of your life, but we're super glad that you spent it with us. And definitely connect with Nancy on Instagram. She's at Nancy Sage Shadow for so much ancestor and tarot goodness. And learn more on our website, sageandshadow.com. This episode is sponsored by Free Range Priestess on Etsy, where you will find unconventional rosaries, prayer beads, and chaplets made just for ancestor work. Search for Free Range Priestess on Etsy or just visit freerangepriestess.com. And as always, big thanks to our patrons, Peter, Janet, Richard, Juniper, and Rash of Stay Woke Tarot. We appreciate our patrons and their support makes all of this possible. You can find out more and the fabulous benefits of being one of our patrons at tiny.cc slash tarot podcast. The podcast is produced by Both And Media and our theme music is by The Luna Group. Until next time, aloha.
Thanks for listening. We know you could have done something else with the last 50-ish minutes of your life, but we're super glad that you spent it with us. And definitely connect with Nancy on Instagram. She's at Nancy Sage Shadow for so much ancestor and tarot goodness. And learn more on our website, sageandshadow.com. This episode is sponsored by Free Range Priestess on Etsy, where you will find unconventional rosaries, prayer beads, and chaplets made just for ancestor work. Search for Free Range Priestess on Etsy or just visit freerangepriestess.com. And as always, big thanks to our patrons, Peter, Janet, Richard, Juniper, and Rash of Stay Woke Tarot. We appreciate our patrons and their support makes all of this possible. You can find out more and the fabulous benefits of being one of our patrons at tiny.cc slash tarotpodcast. The podcast is produced by Both And Media, and our theme music is by The Luna Group. Until next time, aloha.